Welcome to the Rutledge Perspective. I'm your host, Laurel Rutledge, and this show is where we talk about things that are top of mind as you navigate your career or build your business. The plan is to get you out of your rut or talk you back off that ledge with insights and perspectives on the daily grind. Here, we speak the truth. Here, we challenge ideas. Here, we give ourselves grace. And along the way, we also have a little fun. Welcome to the village. This week on The Rutledge Perspective, I want to talk about this idea of being persecuted or feeling like we're being persecuted in our role, at our job, in whatever situation it is, and how that can impact our ability to show up as the leaders that we want to be. Because again, leadership is about behavior. It's not about position. The challenge with this idea of persecution is emotion, right? That feeling that everybody's against us. We don't understand what's going on. How come people don't listen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And when we get, as they say, in our feelings, we have a really hard time not only communicating our ideas and the point of what we're talking about, but we also have a hard time understanding and hearing and listening to what other people are telling us. We have a difficult time accepting feedback and accepting other perspectives because we're all emotional. We're in our feelings, right? We're in that, maybe that dorsal vagal or that that sympathetic. We're just in fight, flight, or freeze mode, just way emotional. And the challenge with that is when you're that emotional, you have a hard time connecting. And as leaders, I'm not saying don't be emotional or don't be compassionate or don't be passionate about things, but it's really important to understand and be truly self-aware so that when we move into this position of thinking, oh my gosh, everybody's against me, that we're able to pause, understand what's really going on, and then make adjustments as necessary. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about a story with me. So this was years ago, and I was in a role that I just hated. I absolutely hated it. I thought it was something that I really wanted to do. It was a promotion. It was really cool. And But when I got in it, I thought, this is just not the right fit. It just felt awful. It just felt awful. And at some point, we were in performance review um, season, and my boss had sent out a note to everyone that said, if you have something listen to these words, if you have something to add, please send that forward. Well, I didn't have anything to add. I mean, I was truly in that, you know what, this isn't working for me. I got to find, this is just not good. I've got to go. And so I didn't have anything to say, nothing at all to say. But then later on, I got a note that said, "Um, I'm still waiting for your stuff, right? What, why didn't you send me anything? Which immediately set me into that more of emotional state, right? Because you first said, if we had anything to say, well, I didn't have anything to say, but now you're acting like I just didn't follow your orders. So it was already starting to spiral out of control. So I put together my little thing, my little, you know, review and and what I thought, how the year had gone and all these kind of things, which I'm pretty, not only pretty self-aware, but I'm pretty honest. If I've screwed something up, I'm the first one to say, you know what, I completely jacked that up but I will fix it and you won't see that mistake again. You may see other mistakes, but that one isn't gonna happen again. So I don't have any issues saying I'm wrong or or I made a mistake. 
So as I wrote up this kind of review of the year, some of the things I put in there were around, you know, here is the environment in which I have been working. Here are some examples of how it has been very clear that my perspective, my word, my opinion, all of those kind of things were absolutely inconsequential, which made it very difficult to get some things done. And on and on and on and on. When I actually got into the room to have this conversation, my boss said, so what you're doing is blaming everybody else for things not getting done. And I paused a minute because number one, I knew where that come, came from. That didn't necessarily come directly from him. That came from another person that he was, he was talking to, um, which I knew, right? People think you're stupid, but you're really not. But the next thing was it became really clear in that moment that while I had owned, owned everything that hadn't happened, because in that whole dialogue, I'd talked about this didn't happen, this didn't happen, here's what was supposed to be going on, here's what I did try, here's where it was going, and here's this environment in which I was trying to work. So here are the things that are very concerning to me. Because it was a full review, so I put everything in there. And in that moment, I realized that while I had in my perspective, owned everything, just laid it all out. What did I have to lose? I was at that point. I didn't have anything to lose. I was looking for a job when I found this one, right? This person that I was talking to took zero responsibility or accountability for their impact on me as their employee, as the person they were leading, as the person they were directing and guiding. Zero. And I went through the gamut of emotions, right? I went through first oh my God, I can't believe that they actually think I'm not taking responsibility, right? That whole guilt and pain. Then I went through, you have got to be kidding me. You don't even see what you've been doing. And then finally, I got to this kind of resolution that said, well, now I'm confirmed that this is just not where I need to be. This is not the role I need to be in. And I'm even further convicted that I've got nothing to lose. So we're just going to have this really, really candid conversation. And through that conversation, I was able to give this person some specific examples that led me to the conclusion of their lack of trust, support, acknowledgement that I didn't all of a sudden leave my brain at the door when I got into this new position, that I did actually bring stuff to the table. My career didn't start when I got to that place. And through that conversation, the person actually was like, oh my God, that is so not how I felt about you. That's not what I meant. That's not what, right? But, but in that moment, had I stayed in that emotion, had I stayed in that persecuted feeling, I would never have been able to really hear and understand what he had said, understand that perspective and be able to respond in a way that gave specific examples, specific details that could at least help the person acknowledge, even if they didn't want to admit, they could acknowledge that the situation occurred and what the impact of that situation was on me. And then they might be able to argue about my perspective on it, but they couldn't argue that it didn't happen. They couldn't argue that the situation or the environment didn't exist. And the bottom line is that in those moments where we are feeling all emotional and all put upon and all persecuted, if we stay in those feelings, one, our ability to kind of move ourselves beyond is going to be severely hampered. But two, 
If we stay in those feelings and we act in those feelings, we begin to erode our ability to communicate, which erodes our ability to continue to build trust. And leaders need to be trusted. People need to know who you are. They need to know how you're going to show up. They need to know that they can come to you with certain things and they're going to get this consistent response. They need to know that, man, if I show up and I've surprised her with something I should have told her earlier, she's not going to respond well. Or, man, if I give her an early indication that something's going wrong, we'll be able to fix it. Or I can go in and throw things up against the wall with her. You know, so people need to know and trust who you are. It's that consistency in behavior that be begins to build trust. Because remember, people will believe what you do. They'll listen to what you say, but they'll believe what you do. They'll believe your behavior. And if we only show up as this really emotional, really responsive, really just automatically getting in our feelings, people don't know how to deal with that. This is in particular a challenge with women, right? We get that whole bias around you're showing up emotional. You're being too emotional. You shouldn't have taken that so hard. You're just being emotional, which is really difficult because we are all emotional beings. And by the way, that bias also works for men because while women have been pushed, pushed, pushed to say they're too emotional, they're too, too high strung, right? Mad black woman syndrome. It's not about passion. It's about aggression, all of those things with women. On the other side of that, men have been told not only is that kind of passion seen as strong and, and, and good, but they're also not supposed to be emotional. They can't be upset, right? They can't be feeling because that's not manly. It's a hot mess what we expect of people. Now we have put these, these biases on just emotion when emotion is real. And a lot of emotion is truly just our nervous system responding. But at the end of the day, if we're sitting in those feelings and we always feel persecuted, we are not going to be able to get to the root cause of what's going on, why we're feeling what we're feeling and move forward to resolution, which is what leaders do. It's important for leaders to be able to push past the emotion, to acknowledge it, to sit in it, to be aware of it, but to push past it, to get to what is the, the intended outcome? What is the expected behavior that is going to get us where we need to be? How am I going to be able to communicate in a way that gets us to the intended goal? The other piece about sitting in that emotion and always feeling persecuted is if every time someone disagrees with you, you back up and say, well, every time I say something, nobody believes me. Well, you know, I don't know why I even bother because, you know, it just doesn't matter. If that's where you sit, what happens is people start ignoring you. Or they'll come into a meeting and they'll say, okay, well, here she goes again, or here he goes again. So let's just let this get over with and then we can move on with the meeting. You begin to create this self-fulfilling prophecy of being marginalized because people don't have time to deal with all of that emotion because everyone is fighting their own battle. And there are some people who will truly back away from a lot of emotion. It's just uncomfortable for them. There are other people who will lean into it and how you show up and how you respond to things is teaching people how to treat you. So if every time someone disagrees with you, if every time the feedback you get is contrary to what you want or what you like to hear and you respond in that way, then people stop talking to you. 
They stop giving you feedback. And by not giving you feedback, they're also not telling you when something is about to happen, which could be detrimental to your goal, to your person, right? To your organization, because it's not worth it to them. It's not worth it to them to deal with your response. It's not worth it to them to have the argument with you about how you are so put upon and you're so persecuted. So that quote I put up on Monday about, you know, never let me get to the point where I always feel persecuted just because someone disagrees with me is really critical for leaders. It's about being so self-aware that we know where our issues are. If there's one thing I know, I know me and I know my issues. I know when I can be emotional. I know when I get done. I know when I stop listening. I know these things. I am very, very aware. And I'm so aware that I am able to short circuit them. I've learned over time. So don't get me wrong. This was, I didn't come out of the womb being able to do this. I've learned to recognize them and be aware of them and be able to short circuit some of that behavior. I've also learned at this age that there are some things that I will short circuit and still decide to address in the same manner because it's important in the time to do that. And there are other times when I'll short circuit it and decide, you know what, we're just going to pass on that because it's not worth the energy or we're going to reframe that as opposed to how I was initially going to respond. I also know myself well enough to know that there are times when you're just done. You're not angry. You're not irritated. You're just done. And that's okay too. But in order for you to be the leader that you want to be, you can't sit in that persecution. You can't sit in that space where everything is against you. Everything is is for your detriment. One, because most of the time that is not true. There may be detractors and there may be people who have hidden agendas that are not beneficial to you, but everyone is not out to get you. Everything is not stacked against you. Sometimes things just happen. And sometimes it's our own behavior or our own response or our own perspective that puts us right dead center in that situation that is now making us feel persecuted. So the first step is to truly be self-aware, to remember how to listen actively. What are people saying? What are they not saying? What is body language saying? Be situationally aware. What's going on? Where are we supposed to be going? Are there other agendas that were in the way here? Because if we are so focused on us and the impact to us and what it means for our agenda, we lose sight of all of that other stuff that's impactful. I will say it again, right? Those who don't like to listen to understand and are always listening to respond because they really want to have their idea be the idea. I'm going to challenge you to turn that on its head and say the best way to get your idea across is to know what everybody else's perspective is. And the best way to know everybody else's perspective is to listen actively, to not sit in that emotion of persecution, to not take everything as an affront to you. And here's the thing. When you are in that space where everything isn't an affront to you, when everything isn't you being persecuted, when every disagreement isn't a personal attack, you are much better able to discern when you are truly in a situation of bias of microaggression, of people who truly have or do not have your best interest in mind. You're able to be much more discerning on that because you kind of waded through the noise. Because just like they say, when everything's a priority, nothing is. When everything is against you, nothing is, right? When everything is a problem, maybe you're the problem. 
And this is not to say, let me be very clear, this is not to say that we don't all have challenges, that we don't all have situations where we go through a season where things are just tough, things are tight, things are hard, things are difficult. It's it's just a good day when we can just get up in the morning. We all have those periods of time and we have to honor those and we have to be able to have that self-care and that process of of allowing ourselves to have a moment. That's why you have a village. So you have people around you who can surround you with their love and their care, right? And their concern and just puts their arms around you and, and lift you up and say, you know what? I know you're having a moment, but we're here. Even if that's just sitting in silence and saying, you know where I am if you need me. So we have to be able to understand that and acknowledge that and be aware of the times when we are having difficulty. But we don't have to sit in that dorsal vagal. We don't have to sit in that that fight mode either, where everything is a fight, because everything isn't a fight. Just because you're invited, as the theme says, just because you're invited to the fight doesn't mean you have to show up. Just because someone is trying to goad you into an argument doesn't mean you have to engage. Sometimes walking away is the best thing you can do. There is a lot of power in silence. Think about those people who talk all the time, all the time. How often do you stop listening to them, right? The people in the meetings where you're like, well, they're going to be taking over the meeting and you start checking email, you start checking text, you start doodling, whatever, right? You're kind of, you figure they'll get to a point eventually, but you know, you got a good 10 minutes before they get to that. So you just kind of disconnect. But think about those people in contrast to the person who says very little, very little. But when they do say something, all ears open, all eyes are trained. Because since they say so little, and when they do say something, it's on point, they have garnered that level of trust, that level of engagement that says, you know what, if they're saying something, we need to pay attention. Which side of the spectrum do you want to be on? That person who whose input is valued, that's listened to, not necessarily always agreed with, but at least is given airtime versus the person who's just kind of blown off because they've always got something to say. Because that person who's always got something to say most likely is also a person who always feels persecuted because their idea isn't always going to be the final idea. So as you begin to sit into your leadership, Again, sit into your skill, sit into your personhood. Try to manage being in your feelings. Try to manage how you're showing up and how you're thinking about how you're engaged and how people engage with you. Because sometimes it's not about you. Actually, most of the time it's not about you. It's about the other person, right? And how you're engaging with them. Think about how you're managing your emotions so that you're not necessarily leading with emotion because people can't handle that. Sometimes they're doing everything they can to handle their own stuff. And if you're coming at them with emotion all the time, it's just one more thing that they just can't tolerate on their pile of other crap. Think about how you are showing up so that you are very clearly focused on the goal, the expected and intended and desired outcomes and can modify and manage your behavior and your engagement in a way that gives you the greatest opportunity for success in achieving those. And maybe, 
just maybe rethink that every time someone disagrees with you, they are not persecuting you. Because sometimes the person that is disagreeing with you the loudest may actually be saving you from something really bad. As my friend Lanier always says, sometimes rejection is protection. That's the Rutledge perspective for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate every single download, every single listen, every single comment. You guys are the reason that I continue to do this. I would love to know what else you'd like to talk about, how you find tricks to understand your emotions and where you are and how you deal with those so that you can show up as the strong leader that I know you are. We will have a fantastic, fantastic Labor Day weekend. Please be safe. Um, Please continue to hold our neighbors in Louisiana in your thoughts and prayers. If you can help and support, please do so in any way that you can. And I will catch you guys next week. Take care. You have been listening to the Rutledge Perspective Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If we've given you a new perspective or helped you clarify your own, please leave us a review, send us your comments, give us a five-star rating. We take that information seriously and it helps us to decide what our next episodes will be. Now you can find more information about this and other episodes of the show on laurelrutledge.com. And you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can also follow me on social media. And if there's someone that you think would enjoy or benefit from the Rutledge Perspective podcast, please pass it along.